uh, back at it. We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. I'm Carson Cunningham, joined as always by Colby Powell. Colby, good Friday to you. Yes, sir. It is a good Friday. It's uh, got some weather rolling in, so everybody be weather aware tonight. Hopefully it doesn't get bad, but you just never know. Yeah, there are some chances of severe storms. We are in late April, rolling into May. That's that's when uh, everyone's got to be aware. I'm biased, but you should tune into KOC05. I think Damon Lane is the best at what he does. He doesn't fear monger. He tells you exactly what's going on. So everyone stay tuned to Channel 5 if you're in the, the Oklahoma City metro area and beyond. Uh, before we get into all our stuff we got to talk about, Colby, let's hear from Chris's University Spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop. All day, every day, they offer free standard shipping on orders over $50. That doesn't that does exclude panoramas and diploma frames. But you want to get that diploma frame ready because we're going to have a lot of new graduates coming up here in the next month. So head over to Chris's University Spirit and get all your cowboy shopping needs accomplished. Colby, is the eve before the spring game and, and rejoice. We are going to have a game. No more glorified position drills no more glorified seven on seven they're actually going to have somewhat of a simulated football game although the tackling won't be true tackling but are you are you excited about the spring game tomorrow yeah i am it's uh, i'm really kind of bummed that i can't be up there i've got a golf tournament i've been committed to for a long time tomorrow so i won't be able to be in stillwater but i'll have to catch the, the reruns all the highlights and stuff and yeah i'm excited for football this is kind of what we talked about would happen they just they've got more kids than they usually do and that's the reason they went away from the game in the first place they were low on numbers and uh, now with all the super super seniors from COVID and the new freshman class coming in they've got enough guys to host a full game so uh, I'm excited obviously most of the talk will be about the offense that's really most of what people look for in a spring game who are the skill position guys who, who's the new young wide receiver who everybody thinks can make an impact who, who's the running back you know the transfer that's coming in that, that everybody thinks uh can be a guy Jalen Warren so I'm, I'm excited to see some of the less talked about names tomorrow in Stillwater me too uh Kyle Boone wrote an article on pistols firing blog you can go check that out five things to watch at OSU spring football game and his number one, Colby, is one we've talked a lot about, uh, who steps up at wide receiver. And Brennan Presley, obviously he came on in the bowl game, had three touchdowns after having just one catch in the regular season. And, you know, sometimes, really a lot of times, Mike Gundy will downplay certain players. I remember he always used to downplay Mason Rudolph's games when he would throw for 400 yards and four touchdowns. I think he just likes to keep his guys humble for the most part. But he was asked about Brennan Presley a couple of days ago, and I tweeted out this, this clip if you want to go back and watch it. But this is Mike Gundy on Brennan Presley, and he is not holding back whatsoever. Part of what we do. I, I didn't bring him up because he, you know, everybody knows who he is and how he showed up, particularly in the bowl game last year. But, you know, he's, he's the guy in there at our slot position, and he's, he's made a bunch of plays out here. And, uh, and he'll continue to make a bunch of plays. He's put on... 18 pounds so um, you know he went from when he turned sideways you couldn't see him to now there's at least a shadow um, but, um, he will make a lot of football plays there you go my gundy not holding back colby he uh he likes what he sees in brennan presley and it sounds like he's poised for a big year yeah i mean the most telling thing to me there is we know what britain brennan presley's skill level 
is I like the fact that he's put on some weight. I really do. That's, you know, to have longevity, to be able to play over a full season in college football. You know, last year I, I was critical, uh, as were you, I believe, of the fact that he basically was not used the entire season whenever Oklahoma State was in desperate need of a playmaker. That being said, he wasn't ready last year for 15 touches a game, 10 touches a game, anything like that. He might have been ready for three touches a game, something like that, but he was just – he was small. Came out of high school small, uh, needed some time with Coach Glass to build up and to bulk up. So I'm glad to uh, hear that he's put on some weight because that to me is the most telling thing. And if he's been able to put on that weight without losing any speed at all, then I, I think watch out for Brandon Presley. He could be special. Yep, he really can. And I just – again, this is where I just marvel at Rob Glass, what he's able to do with these guys. or Like what he just said about Bre uh, Brandon Presley reminds me a lot of – do you remember when when Chuba Hubbard he had his redshirt freshman season and he was coming back the next year and there were these pictures were surfacing at fall camp how Chuba looked like a completely different dude he went from like a little slot looking receiver to full blown NFL running back I think like Rob Glass's impact on the OSU football program since Mike Gundy's been there it's we all know how great he is but it just it's worth mentioning again just how great of a job he does. Yeah, it is. It's it really is amazing. You know, guys just make transformations and it, it's stuff that's visible just to the naked eye. A guy will show up next year and it's like, whoa, is that the same kid? Is that the same kid that walked in here as a scrawny little freshman and now he looks like this? I think the only guy I haven't said that about in recent memory was maybe C.J. Moore out of Union, and he's just a slight guy. He's just a tall, lanky guy, uh, and he's since transferred and wish him nothing but the best. But, yeah, it's crazy just how much uh, physically better everyone gets at Oklahoma State. And, you know, those are certainly not workouts that I would want any part of, uh, but I love the fact that everybody, you know, seems to get better physically, and it really doesn't take long. It's, you know, they get in uh, last year, obviously was tough with COVID didn't have spring football, didn't have a lot of things last year, but this year having everybody in there, I think it's going to make a big difference uh, in terms of conditioning, in terms of size, strength, speed, all that uh, for not only Oklahoma state, but teams across the country, just being able to have your full off season uh, is going to just do wonders for college football programs. Body by glass alive and well. Uh, Tay Martin, also a guy that's gotten a lot of praise. Oh, she put out a clip of him at practice just mossing a dude. I think Tay Martin's stock continues to rise in Stillwater. I think if you had to guess, who do you think is going to be leading wide receiver? Would you put your money on, on Tay Martin or, or Brennan Presley? I think I would put it on Brennan Presley. I think he'll get more uh, – you're talking in receptions, right? Or Yeah, yeah, just maybe total yards receiving. Yeah, that's see that to me is a little bit closer. I think I think Presley gets more receptions because I think they'll use him on like a lot of uh, jet flip type stuff and mm -hmm. just quick screens and stuff, get the ball in his hands. But I think Tay Martin could be the guy who catches more of those fifteen yard outs, uh, some of those deeper balls. So, um, boy, that's a tough question. Receptions, I definitely lean Presley, and I'll probably just go chalk and say Presley on yards as well because. You know, if you're touching the ball more often, you're more likely to break one here and there. So I'll probably say Presley, but I think it could be pretty close. Yeah, I think I might go Tay Martin just because he's on the outside. Um, but either both of those guys, I think are going to be the top two targets. Obviously, Braden Johnson's back. That's another guy I think you thought was was very underutilized at, at wide receiver. So it's going to be fun to watch the receiving core on Saturday and see who gets the most looks and most catches and and who can perform? Because, look, there's a lot of fresh faces, too. The, the Langston Andersons of the world, Rashad Owens, John Paul Richardson. There's a lot of new names and new faces that 
people are going to see out there in the receiving core. So that's going to be fun to watch. Number two, running back rotation, no Chuba. LD Brown, we expect to be the, the starter, but guys like Dominic Richardson, Desmond Jackson, and, and this Utah transfer, Utah State transfer, Jalen Warren's getting a lot of buzz as well. Yeah, he is. And to tell you the truth, I was shocked that Oklahoma State got a transfer at that position because when you look at that backfield between LD Brown, Dominic Richardson, and Desmond Jackson, I mean, dude, you're going to have to work hard to get carries. They're, they're just, are, quite frankly, there are not enough carries to go around. Uh, you know, especially, you know, even, even what Chris Sims says that Oklahoma State never runs the ball, even with Oklahoma State running it 500 times a year. There just aren't enough carries to go around uh, for all four of these guys. And I don't know who's going to be the odd man out. Gundy said we're going to enjoy watching Jalen Warren, the Utah State transfer. Obviously, L.D. Brown is going to be the man. Desmond Jackson looked really good in uh, fill-in roles last year, especially in the Texas Tech game. We know what he did there. Um, I, I don't know. I, I'll have to see how good Jalen Warren is because I think either Jalen Warren or Dominic Richardson will have to be the odd man out because I just can't see it being L.D. Brown or Desmond Jackson. Yeah, I think what Jalen Warren really brings to the table, though, is kind of a receiving threat out of the backfield. I think he, that's, a, that's a role I think he could, he could certainly fill. I mean, he had 15 catches for 180 yards his first year at Utah State. He only played in three games last year at Utah State, but he averaged 5.1 and then 6.5 yards per carry. But he, he's shown he can, he can receive out of the backfield, too. So maybe he can be somewhat of a, a change of pace type back, which I think would help get him on the field. But you're right. All of a sudden, they have a lot of depth, which we weren't really expecting, you know, midway point last year when it was, you know, Chuba and LD, and you didn't think there was much else there because we didn't know anything about Desmond Jackson at that point. He, he obviously played really well down the stretch as well as Dominic Richardson. So it'll be see, interesting to see who gets the carries and, and all that. Number three, Kyle Boone writes, Spencer Sanders and the quarterbacks. Obviously, this is always a storyline coming into spring football. But Spencer Sanders, you and I have talked about it. How well does he run this, this offense? What does the offense look like? And then who can come in behind him and, and make some plays in the spring game? Because we think, or I, I think rather, that Spencer's not going to play a, a ton in, in the spring game. Yeah, I wouldn't think so either. Uh, obviously, I think he probably gets, what, a quarter maybe? Maybe they try to give him a few series. I, I don't know how they're going to break that down. Uh, but, yeah, I want to see more of Shane Illingworth. Um, Ethan Bullock, I'm sure, is a, a great kid, awesome young man. I tell you the truth, don't need to see a ton more of Ethan Bullock. I'm much more excited to see Shane Illingworth and see if Gunnar Gundy gets any snaps. I don't know if he will. Um, I, I covered a few of his games in high school. Don't know exactly what he's going to look like at this level. He took last year off. He's clearly going to be around Stillwater for a while. So I would imagine at some point or another down the line, sometime between now and about 2025 or 2026, we see Gunnar Gundy uh, step on the field for Oklahoma State. So I'd say Illingworth and Gunnar, uh, I'm more excited about probably than Bullock. I'm excited to watch Spencer Sanders, but we kind of know what Spencer Sanders is. I don't think we're going to learn a ton about him in a spring game. So I'm excited to see those backups. Yep. I want to see Illingworth throw the deep ball. I think that's the the number one asset he brings to the team, throwing up those jump balls to, to maybe a Tay Martin, something along those lines. But you mentioned Gunnar Gundy. I'm glad you brought him up. Did you know he's the first quarterback to wear number 12 since Mike Gundy himself wore it? I did know. I saw that on Twitter a few weeks ago, and I was like, I, you know, hadn't really put two and two together on that, but that's pretty cool. How many players requested it that Mike said no to? Like, I didn't, I was unaware that this number was off limits to quarterbacks. Maybe was, it wasn't, and nobody picked it, but I don't know. That's a pretty popular quarterback number with Tom Brady. Yeah, 12 is a very popular quarterback number. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm surprised nobody's had it. I would love to know 
if kids got shot down wanting number 12 or if everybody just kind of stayed away from it. I would love to know. I wonder if it's like the the Thunder situation, how they didn't let anybody, like Steven Adams was drafted and he wore number 13 and he wanted number 13. And they were like, ah, James Harden wore that. And you're part of the James Harden trade. So we're just going to, you're going to wear 12 instead. <laughs> I wonder if it was kind of a, ah, we're going to usher you to this number instead. But I did want to say this. You know, I've I've talked a lot about Gunner and how I'm I'm concerned about it being a Nathan Simmons type situation. But Mike talked a lot about it at his press conference as well, and how he mentioned that you know Gunner, ever since he was this tall and he held his hand like down near his knees, he wanted to play football at Oklahoma State. He wanted to be a part of the program, and I think there's something to be said for that. This this kid dreamed of playing at Oklahoma State because his dad was a coach there for so long, and and I do think that's really cool. I mean, there's something to be said for doing something you've always wanted to do rather than going into play where you could play more at, at a lower level. And who knows? You know, we, we've seen tons of injuries at quarterback. We've seen tons of turnover at quarterback, especially now with the transfer portal. So I'm sorry if I've poo-pooed the, the Gunner Gundy thing because it is, it is really cool. And, and who am I to, to say a kid shouldn't live out his dream? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm all for chasing your dreams. And, you know, Gunnar Gundy, he could have he could have been Mason Fine. He could have gone to North Texas. He could have just absolutely lit it up, thrown it all over the field. He could have gone a bunch of places uh, and, and played football collegially. His dream was to go to Oklahoma State and play for his dad. And I, I don't knock a kid for that. It's even like, uh, you know, I, I talked about this with Drew Brown, who came over from Hawaii to Oklahoma State, Farron Flavors, who came over with basketball. Sometimes it doesn't always work, but – I don't knock kids for chasing their dreams. If that's what you want to do, get after it. Sometimes it sometimes it works out how it's supposed to. Sometimes it doesn't. Uh, but I'll never knock a kid for going after it. Yep. He has a good throwing motion, too. He's a lefty, which always looks cool. But uh, he's got some potential. We'll, we'll have to see how he plays if he gets on the field in the spring game. And I, I would think everybody gets on the field for the most part uh, on Saturday. Number four, young linebackers. The knowns are Devin Harper, Malcolm Rodriguez. But there's a lot of excitement and youth. Uh, there's some, in, I don't know how to say this guy's name, <laughs> Nadarian. Huh? Nadrian Dizadere. Wow, you nailed that. You must have heard that before. Uh, I don't believe I have heard that before, uh, but I definitely did read up on this earlier, and I sat here for about three minutes and just looked at it. <laughs> it was like, Nadrian, Des Nadrian Dizadere. Nadri so I, I just kind of sounded it out over and over again until I felt comfortable saying Nadrian Dizadere. And to tell you the truth, I don't even know if that's 100% spot on, but that's what I'm going with. That, I, I go with that because, you know, it took, so, took me so long to learn Amen Ogbong Bamiga. Now he's replaced with Nadarian Dizadere. So that <laughs> – that's a name worth pronouncing and, and worth watching on Saturday. And look, there's just a lot of new names and faces. And this kind of is, is what you were speaking to about learning some of the new players earlier. We're going to learn a lot about these new linebackers because for so long it was, it was Ogmong Bamiga and, and Rodriguez. Now we're going to, and Devin Harper's also back as well. But I think we're going to see what a lot of these guys are, are made of on Saturday. Yeah, I think so, too. Mason Cobb is a name that, you know, we've been hearing ever since he was recruited and he committed. He was a guy that, you know, was supposed to come in, be a playmaker. Obviously, last year, no spring football, no, you know, very limited offseason. So he didn't really do much as a freshman. But I, I know that he's been given special teams player of the day several times coming out. And there's potential for him to emerge. And you always need to have depth at that position because those linebackers, man, they, they hit a lot. And you see injuries at that position. You need depth there. Uh, Jeff Robertson is another name that pops up. Nicholas Martin, Cam Farrar, Lamont Bishop. I mean, these are all guys that, uh, that could get some time. But obviously, Devin Harper and Malcolm Rodriguez 
will be the guys to watch. And then uh, Dizadare also just to, to see. I, I don't know, Carson, how much do you think that you can learn about a position group like linebackers in a spring game? Because I, I feel like that's one of the positions where I, I just don't know how much I can really learn about guys at that position from a scrimmage. Well, I think what you can learn is if they get out of position, like if there's a, a carry that goes for eight yeah. yards untouched and the linebacker's completely out of position, I think that's the case. I think letting guys roam free over the middle, whether it's a cowboy back or a Brennan Presley type, if they just, if they're just running with acres of space in the middle of the field, I think those are ways, but you're right. I, they're not going to be able to, you know, just tee off on the quarterback on, on blitzes and, and certainly big hits over the middle as well. But I think mainly just guys aren't running wide open because that's what we saw for years and years from Oklahoma State's defense. And that's another thing that's encouraging about Saturday, Colby, is for years the defense was just trying to hold their weight. Now they're a real strength to the team and they, they feel like they can, they can hold their own and if not, you know, win the day on, on, on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, not only a strength of the team, last year the defense was the absolute backbone of the team for Oklahoma State. There were weeks where Oklahoma State could not move the ball and the defense just absolutely dominated. Let's let's try not to remember too much about that Kansas State game, but the scooping score was really nice and Oklahoma State had to have it to win. So it's a lot of pressure for Oklahoma State defense to stay at that level, especially considering what they lost in uh, Rodarius Williams and Amen Ogbong-Bamiga. I mean, those are, I mean, those are the anchors, the cornerstones of your defense. And obviously, you've still got Harper. You've still got Rodriguez. You've still got Colby Harvell Peel and Trey Sterling on the back end. But just those two guys with Ogbong Bamiga and Rodarius Williams is going to be a big loss. So I'll be curious to see what the drop-off is, if there is one this year for Oklahoma State on that side of the ball. Yep, it's going to be exciting to watch. Uh, offensive lines, the last thing to watch, Charlie Dickey's bunch. Uh, obviously, losing Tevin Jenkins, a first-round pick. Colby, what, what odds could I have gotten before last season started? that the only first round pick from Oklahoma and Oklahoma state was going to be an OSU offensive lineman. What kind of odds would I have gotten there? That's, that's a great question. I don't even know if you're, if you're talking about, uh, you know, both state schools with OU and OSU, you would have gotten really good odds. Oh, I just saw this graphic too. big 12 draft picks since 2016. Oklahoma's one TCU two, West Virginia, three, Texas, four, Baylor tied before, and then uh, Oklahoma State's tied for six with Oklahoma State Ooh. and Texas Tech. So I think that I think that right there, Colby, shows why OSU's dipped a little bit in the last two three years. Obviously, the turnover quarterback hadn't helped, but they just haven't had as many guys drafted uh, since 2016 as as other schools. So maybe that's a reason that OSU isn't winning at a clip like they had been winning, you know, ten games every year prior. So. That's an interesting yeah. stat as well. But yeah, uh, real quick, the name on that list that surprises me is West Virginia. You know, I know obviously OU, and then I know TCU's had a bunch of guys on the defensive side of the ball, especially get drafted. I know Baylor has had their fair share. I'm I'm surprised. I guess I've uh, not really realized that West Virginia's had that many guys go that high. Yeah, me too. And I think they had a lot of defensive guys, if I'm remembering correctly. Off the top of my head, I think they've had a few safeties taken pretty high. Uh, their defense has been pretty underrated since coming into the Big 12 because we all thought about Geno Smith and, and Dana Holgerson coming into the league, but they've actually recruited pretty well on defense. And I think a lot of people are high on West Virginia coming into this year with Neil Brown, but uh, that did surprise me as well. But back to the OSU offensive line, obviously Josh Sills coming back is huge. He was one of their better linemen last year. But again, Colby, kind of like the linebackers, it's going to be a lot of a lot of new names, a lot of people looking at the roster sheet to see who's playing an offensive line. So I'm I kind of lean, like you said about the linebackers, how much can we learn? 
I don't pretend to, to know a whole lot about offensive line play to break it down and see who's playing well. But for me, it's just, does the quarterback get sacked a bunch on Saturday and, and are they able to run the footballs? My best way of looking at it. Yeah, I think so too. I, you know, again, I, I've said it, I'll keep saying it. it. It's a see it to believe it thing for me. You know, every year we, we try to get optimistic in the off season. Okay. The offensive line is going to be a little bit better. We got these guys coming back. We got this guy and this guy coming back. And then we get to the fall and you know, last year it was COVID other years. It's been injuries. There just has not been any depth on the line up front. And you know, I, I just don't think it's realistic to expect five guys who are out there at 6'4", 320 pounds to all play 12 games and nobody to tweak an ankle or a knee or a wrist or, you know, something like that. It's just, it always happens. And there's, there's just not as much depth up front as you really need at this level. And it ends up being uh, a problem area for Oklahoma State. So hopefully I'm wrong. Hopefully they can turn that group into a, a strength as opposed to a weakness, even losing Tevin Jenkins. Cause they do have a lot of guys coming back. Obviously Josh Sills coming back, Jake Springfield, uh, Hunter Woodard, Tyrese Williams, Preston Wilson. I mean, they've got some guys on that line with some experience, but I will continue to be a skeptic until I actually see it on the field in conference play. I'm with you. I will say this. I'm optimistic about Charlie Dickey as the offensive line coach. And I was not optimistic about several of his, his predecessors. I think he's recruiting pretty well on the offensive line. I, I loved Josh Henson. I hated to see him go, but I think Dickey's a really good offensive line coach. And I think he's really started to provide some stability at a position group that's had zero over the last you know, really since, since Joe Wickline left. So I'm a fan of Charlie Dickey. Are you? Uh, yeah, I am. I, I like what he's done throughout his career. I like what he's done at Oklahoma state. I, it, it's so tough. I, I feel like Oklahoma state ever since, uh, why am I blanking on his name? Phenomenal O-line coach who went off to West Virginia and Texas. Wickline. Joe, Joe Wickline. Wickline. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, that went brain dead for a second. Um, you know, ever since that, it just feels like Oklahoma State's been searching. And I probably would say I have more confidence in Charlie Dickey just with his resume and track record than I've had with some of the other guys uh, that have been through. But I, I still just it, – it's a depth issue. For me, it's just every year, it's like uh, the year that Oklahoma State was was supposed to be great and ended up losing three home games with Rudolph and Washington. I mean, what happened with that first conference game against TCU? Oklahoma State's just rolling along, and then they lose the right guard and the right tackle, and they come out and they get drummed by TCU. It's just, it, it, I've seen it too many times, and I, uh, I just have a hard time believing that this year is going to be different until I actually see it with my own two eyes. Well, hopefully they have a, a renaissance like the defense has had. Uh, so hopefully they yeah. can turn it around. And Charlie Dickey, I think, is still doing a good job. But you're right. I think you're right to say that. Uh, before we move on, Colby, I've heard through the grapevine that this is a great deal. Do you remember when Thurman Thomas called out Mike Gundy for not taking care of former players or having them back when he was when his number was retired? And Brandon Whedon doubled down on that. He echoed Thurman Thomas's sentiment that, a lot of former players didn't feel welcome in Stillwater, didn't feel like there was a communication line between them and Mike Gundy. But I've heard through the grapevine that there's going to be like 200 former players in town for the weekend for the game. I actually ran into Josh Cooper, the great wide receiver for Oklahoma State, one of Brandon Whedon's favorite targets. I ran into him playing golf actually yesterday. And he was saying how great it was that everyone's going to be back up there. They're going to play golf on, on uh, today on Friday. And uh, he said they're, they're really looking forward to it. So it sounds like Mike Gunny took the criticism to heart and, and has a bunch of former players back in town. It's a good deal. 
Yeah, Carson, I was remarkably critical of Mike Gundy last offseason. Just a lot of things went down. I didn't like the way that it was handled. Uh, and I felt like there was a, a disconnect between Mike Gundy and his players that were currently on campus. I felt like there was a disconnect between Mike Gundy and the former players. And, and I'm like, you know, I don't know how you get that back. And I've, I've got to give credit where credit's due. If I'm going to rip Mike Gundy whenever I think he screws up, I'll give him credit whenever I think he's done something well. And I think that he – I think it was a wake-up call for him. And I think that he has been uh, – you know, we saw him in his media session last week. He was stepping away from the podium, acting out blocks in the aisles and stuff. He was just kind of back to old goofy Mike Gundy doing his thing. And he's clearly made more of an effort to connect with his players, both current and former. Uh, so I give Mike Gundy a lot of credit because there were a couple of ways that it could have gone after what took place last offseason, last summer. And I think it's gone the way that Oklahoma State fans maybe didn't expect, but certainly hoped it would go. So uh, Oklahoma State football seems like it's on a much better trajectory in April of 2021 than I thought it would be. Yeah, I just think I think the, the, his own current players kind of echoed the same sentiment about a lack of relationship or communication. I just think Gundy just started kind of doing his – he's so set in his ways and he's such a made man that I think he just – kind of just went about his business and kept to himself. And apparently that rubbed his current players wrong back in the summer and it rubbed former players wrong, but kudos to him for, for writing it. And it's such an easy thing to do. I mean, I think Oklahoma state is such a, such a unique place and it's such, it's so easy to get former players back in town. It, it can only help you, especially with guys that have played in the NFL. So kudos to Mike Gundy for, for writing uh, the, those wrongs. And we've talked a lot about, Brennan Presley, but OSU got a big commitment this week, Colby, from Braylon, his younger brother out of Bixby. Colby, I've covered Oklahoma high school football for 13 years, and this kid is on a very short list of players that I think are the best I've ever seen. You know, I think of like Sterling Shepard was one of the best players I ever saw in my own two eyes, guys like that. I think Braylon Presley absolutely belongs in that conversation because he plays for an absolute juggernaut in big speed. They're the most dominant program in Oklahoma. I mean, they're, they're, they whoop up on jinx nowadays. And their entire offense practically is just, how are we going to get the ball in this kid's hands? He receives it. He runs it. I, I compared him to Reggie Bush, just how electric he is in the open field. I mean, one of the games I covered, Colby, he, he took kind of like a, a screen pass and just – made like five or six guys miss and miss so badly they didn't even get close to touching him on his way to running in for a touchdown. It's just, he is pure electricity. I think his size maybe was a detriment of some of the bigger programs coming after him, but he picked Oklahoma state over Texas tech and a host of others. So he joins his brother in Stillwater Colby. This is a huge get. Yeah, it is. I think in a position uh, like receiver athlete, whatever you want to call Braylon Presley, whatever he's going to do at Oklahoma state. I think it's kind of crazy that some schools just stay away because of size. We've seen so many guys who, who are a slight in stature come out and just have remarkable success at the D1 level. Uh, we've seen it in Stillwater. We've seen it in Norman, Hollywood Brown a couple of years ago. I mean, look at the running back, uh, Deuce up at Kansas State right now, five foot five, and just makes people miss constantly. So I, I think that that's kind of crap whenever the big schools stay away. Look, I, I understand if you want size at corner, safety, linebacker, defensive tackle. I get that. 
you don't need size at slot receiver. You need to be quick. You need to have good hands. You need to be able to make people miss. I love Braylon Presley. I was, man, I was fingers crossed, holding my breath that he was going to commit to Oklahoma State. I thought he was going to, but you just never know. Some guys want to go be where, where their family is and where, you know, his, his older brother is there with Brennan. Some guys don't. Some guys want to go off uh, and do their own thing, but he wanted to be in Stillwater. And I loved on his commitment video, too, that Brennan made sure to get in there and embarrassed him, gave him a hug, kissed him on the cheek, and Braylon kind of spun away from him. I thought that was some some nice brotherly love when he announced his commitment yeah that's gonna be fun to watch the two brothers uh play together next year uh kyle boone wrote an article about the commitment he compared him to slide edwards Hilaire in terms of his shiftiness in the hole running as a running back he compared him to rondale moore the great wide receiver out of purdue who's slight in stature as well and this was an interesting one too percy harvin who as a sophomore at florida had 1600 yards from scrimmage 764 rushing yards and 858 yards receiving. Braylon Presley's stat line last season as a junior was 1,744 yards rushing, 727 yards receiving with 35 total touchdowns at the highest level of football in the state of Oklahoma, which again, Oklahoma's not Florida or Texas, but he's playing for a big, a powerhouse program. So his stat line was just totally ridiculous. I think that's the way they need to utilize him too. Colby, he had more rushing yards than receiving. Now, Division One football is much dif different. He's going to be a slot receiver, no doubt. But I would like to see him utilized in, in ways that they did with Percy Harvin by putting him in the backfield, just using creativity to give him the football, which I thought that's something they should have done more with Chuba Hubbard as well, with just how electric he is in the open field. I think so, too. And, you know, Oklahoma State's going to have Brennan and Braylon Presley uh, both for a couple of years, both small, fast, shifty guys. I'd like to see them use a lot more motion, get these guys coming across, keep the defense off balance. Uh, you know, I, I joked earlier in the week that if they get Braylon Presley, they need to have either Brennan or Braylon run a trick play and throw it to the other guy. I, I just I want to see some creativity in how they use these small, fast, quick guys just getting the ball in their hands. I mean, we all remember how poorly used Tyreek Hill was in Stillwater. He was basically a, a glorified punt returner who occasionally touched the ball uh, on offense. And now he's arguably the best receiver in the NFL with what he's able to do with his speed. So uh, I, I hope that they just find ways to get the ball into their playmakers hands as often as possible. And I'll, I'll be shocked if Braylon does not turn into a star at Oklahoma state. He just, again, he's small. And that's the only reason that he didn't have offers from some of the big boys around college football not worried about him being small run around somebody you don't have to run somebody over if you can run around them that's kind of the rule well Devonte smith weighed in at 166 pounds <laughs> after after playing at alabama going through their strength and conditioning program now i'm not comparing him to Devonte smith who just won the heisman trophy i'm just saying football's changed to where you can be in slight of stature i think hollywood brown showed up to ou at like 150 pounds 140 something pounds so he can certainly be a, a weapon in Division One college football. So great gift for OSU. I think they're really starting to recruit a lot better over the last year or so. So that, that was exciting. And I love seeing the in-state kids stay at uh, Oklahoma State. Uh, speaking of in-state kids, Colby, four-star in-state basketball player Trey Alexander reopens his recruitment. He had signed with Auburn. He was basically the top-rated basketball player in Oklahoma since he was like a sophomore. That's how good this kid is. And I didn't see why... He, it's unclear why he reopened his recruitment, but that's another big name on the, on the market for, for Mike Boynton and company. 
Yeah, I mean, there's some speculation as to why uh, he reopened his recruitment. Alan Flanagan, who was a star at Auburn, everybody thought that maybe he was going to go to the draft. He decided to come back. Uh, Auburn is also getting a five-star in Jabari Smith coming in. They're getting Desi Sills, who was at Arkansas, is transferring into Auburn. So maybe it's just getting a little congested at Auburn, and he didn't think he could get early playing time there, which I think is obviously something uh, that every kid wants, but certainly somebody as talented as Trey Alexander wants. And I think Oklahoma State's got a pretty good pitch for Trey Alexander. This this program obviously has just incredible upward momentum with what they did this past year and he could have some immediate playing time coming in to Oklahoma State I mean he shows up day one and if he's you know I've seen him play have you seen him play in person Carson um no I've just seen highlights haven't covered one of those games I've 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 seen him play in person a few times uh and man he's he's special he is special. I would love to see him at Oklahoma State. Um, I, I don't know exactly what a good comp is for him. We can get into all that if he does, in fact, commit to OSU. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It was a big shock to me that he came on the market, and I would love for Oklahoma State to get him. It's, uh, how about this? Either Bryce Thompson or Trey Alexander. I'm not greedy. I don't have to have both. But, Carson, I really want one or the other. What if they got both? Oh, what if they got both? I Don't even tease me. I just – that would be Man. unbelievable. That would be that would be something. <laughs> the no, odds of them getting both is low, but uh, who knows? Mike Boynton's a heck of a recruiter. That would be big yeah. time. The odds of getting both is low, just because I mean both guys want that immediate playing time. There's only one basketball. There's already guys on campus who can play who are still going to get their shots. Um, so if Trey Alexander and Bryce Thompson both went to Stillwater, probably wouldn't be enough touches to go around. No, maybe not. But never uh, you never know. I think the flip side of that sell, though, is look at all this talent you can come in and play with. We're going to be True. really good. Yeah. So that's the, that's the sell. You, you can always sell it one way or another. So we'll have to wait and see. Bryce Thompson doesn't appear to be in any hurry to make a decision. We'll have right. to wait and see how, how quickly uh, Trey Alexander does as well. Colby, one more thing before we get out of here. Uh, Victor Hovland and Christopher Ventura, I picked them for my one and done. And Man, Ventura really lit it up. He had eight birdies on his own, and Victor and, and Christopher are your first-round leaders at the Zurich. Yeah, it was awesome. They uh, they went out and fired a nice little 10-under 62 yesterday. They have not teed off yet today. So, for those of you unfamiliar, this is the two-man team event, and Victor Holland and Christopher Ventura are together. So, they play best ball in rounds one and three, which is where both guys just play their own ball. You take whatever the best score is on the hole. But on Friday and Sunday, they play alternate shot. It's not modified alternate shot where both guys tee off and you go from there. It is true alternate shot where uh, one guy tees off, the next guy hits the second shot, next guy hits the third until the ball is hold. They are still tied for the lead, and they don't tee off for about another hour. There just aren't a lot of teams going low and alternate shot. Doesn't help that the wind's blowing about 20 miles an hour down there in Louisiana. Uh, alternate shot, you can definitely tense up a little bit. I've played some alternate shot tournaments. It's a little nervy standing over a four-footer knowing that you need to make it and you definitely don't need to run it four feet by or your partner has to hit the comebacker. So uh, I'll be curious to see what Hovland and Ventura do this afternoon. Not the only Cowboys in the field this week. How about Peter Uline, who won on the Corn Ferry Tour last year? He paired up with Richie Warinsky this week, and they are T5, only one shot back of the leaders at nine under, and they've already played 17 holes today. So they're 
sitting really pretty with a two under round going in the alternate shot. So Peter Uline really starting to play some good golf on the PGA Tour. Taylor Gooch and Max Homa are T13 at eight under, just one shot back of where Uline's at and two shots back of the leaders. Uh, Gooch and Homa were one of the top 10 favorites coming into this event, and they're two under through 13 today. So they've kind of got it rolling pretty well as well. Uh, the only team involving an Oklahoma State guy that's not really having a great tournament. There are 80 teams, Carson, Colin Morikawa and uh, Matthew Wolf, 78th out of the 80 teams at two over par. Uh, it's it's pretty rough. They only shot two under yesterday in a best ball, which, you know, two under is just a, a so-so round if either of those guys were to play that course by themselves. To shoot that in a best ball is really pretty terrible. Um, and and the guys behind them are Martin Trainer and James Hahn and then Kyrdek, Applebarnrad, and Arjun Atwal. So they're, they're way down the list. But uh, aside from Matthew Wolf and Colin Morikawa, every other duo that involves uh, an Oklahoma State player or an Oklahoma State pair is having a great week at the Zurich. Yeah, Yulon and Warinsky are up to 10 under. They finished and they're, they're three under on the day and they're finished at T2. So Uline won last weekend on the Corn Ferry. Now he's T2 with Richie Warinsky. That's awesome. The, uh, Matthew Wolf's in some kind of funk. He's he's kind of entered the, the Ricky Fowler zone in, in terms of losing his swing. And his best weapon, his driver, has left him. He, he just cannot keep it on the planet with his driver and they're going to miss the cut. But uh, I hope Victor and Ventura were able to win. That'd be sweet. They obviously played together at OSU, but they've also played a ton of golf together as juniors out of Norway. So hopefully they can use that team chemistry and, and get a W. That'd be awesome. Yeah, and it should note that the winners of this tournament do not get a Masters invite since this is a team event. Uh, and there's no world ranking points, but the winners of this tournament do get a two-year exemption. That doesn't mean much to Victor Hovland. The two-year exemption would mean a lot to Christopher Ventura. So I will be rooting heavily, heavily, heavily for Hovland and Ventura this weekend. Me too. Colby, enjoy the uh, spring game. We'll get back with you next week. Everybody enjoy Stillwater this weekend. Go Pokes!